And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen. In honor of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you can get all of The Athletic's great writing and podcasts for just $1 a month for 12 months. Starting now, you can go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation to lock in our very best price of the year. The offer ends at midnight on Monday, November 29th, just $1 a month for new subscribers. And you need to be a subscriber right now, and you need to subscribe to the Raiders because they went to Dallas on Thanksgiving. They spoiled Jerry Jones' Thanksgiving dinner with a 36-33 overtime win. They moved to 3-0 in overtimes on the season. Uh, they, Hey, when, when, when these games run long, when they get crazy, the Raiders find a way. And they found a way in this one. Derek Carr, another great game. Hunter Renfro was huge. Deshaun Jackson was huge. Goes over 100 yards. Draws a couple key pass interference penalties. And the offense, despite losing Darren Waller, who is you know really the heartbeat of that offense, uh, was able to find enough, 36 points. Uh, the, the offense finally got going. Josh Jacobs even got going a little bit with the running game. And the Raiders get to 6-5. and five. They're back over 500. they They're going to enter December with a winning record and a chance in a wild and wacky AFC to make a playoff run. Yeah, I think the Raiders are like the perfect encapsulation of the AFC this year. It's really hard to pin down. Every time it seems like the, it's going well, they take a dip. Every time it seems like they're done, they bounce back and... Losing three straight, I thought that they were they were done pretty much, to be honest. Uh, I didn't think that they would win this game uh, on, on a short week coming in on the road. And like you said, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a linear path, but they never trailed in this one. You know, they jumped out to an early lead for what felt like the first time in forever and, and never gave it up. They let the, the Cowboys get back into it in the fourth quarter with a big run, obviously, but really played perfectly in all three phases in overtime between, you know, the kickoff, pinning them deep, getting the stop on defense quickly, and then obviously getting in field goal range um, on that big pass interference penalty. And so while they still have room to, to improve, of course, it was a pretty complete game and a game that most people didn't expect them to win. And, you know, as you said, you know, six and five, they're right there in the middle of that, that jumbled up AFC race. I thought that third play of the game was huge. You know, the, the, the deep touchdown to Deshaun Jackson kind of took the top off of the Cowboys' defense, and it kind of gave the Raiders, I think, a jolt of energy. They missed that, that deep threat for a while now with, with Ruggs being gone. So I think that was a huge play for both Derek Carr and Psyche, and also for the whole offense. I think it kind of gave them a sense of, uh, okay, we're, we're kind of back now, and they kind of attacked in the air throughout the game. They also, I think the, the passing game opened up the running game a little bit, but the running game still, to me, not really um, – 
it shouldn't be that much of a factor. This team, when they, when they pass the ball, and when, when Carr's aggressive, uh, they win. I think they're now 6-0 when he throws over 300 yards. So uh, I like the approach. you got to give them a lot of credit. Short week. Definitely showed their resolve and uh, their character. So I think they are back in it. And, um, yeah, I'm sure Raider fans had a nice, nice holiday. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that big play to Sean Jackson early on was huge because, you know, when you're playing a man-to-man team, which the Cowboys do, they play a ton of man-to-man, and, you know, they start to get confidence in how they can shut you down and how they give no space, then they really start to get going as the game gets going. But, you know, when you, you punish them deep with a, a touchdown like that against their man-to-man coverage, especially when they have a bunch of confidence coming into that game, I think it really kind of changes the dynamic of that game. It probably, you know, changes how the defensive caller, uh, play caller calls the rest of the game, makes them second-guess some things, makes them want to play a little more zone. So just getting that play was huge. And like you said, Deshaun Jackson had over 100 yards today, and he drew a couple key pass interferences, and he, he was open a lot against man-to-man coverage. So you kind of see the, the, the impact that this team was missing for so long, that, that speed impact that they were missing without rugs. And now that, now that Deshaun Jackson's into the fold, you see what you know how it opens everything up, how it helps out Hunter Renfro has have space, how it helps out um, other guys just open things up a little bit more. And this was the game where the Raiders got back to deep passing. Derek Carr hasn't really passed over twenty yards as much in the last few games, but in this game he went over seventeen percent, which he hasn't done since week six. And as far as air yards, this was the most air yards he's had since week six as well. I think his deep ball was a little off tonight. It seemed like he was kind of trying to aim every fade pass instead of just uncorking it downfield. But just making those passes, drew some pass interferences. It got the defense to back off. Um, so it's just a big part of his offense that they really needed and that they got in this game. Ted hit us with some deep Ted research. Did actual though. research this time. Yeah, he he did actual research, not just not just the surface level. I, I missed the surface. I like the I like the basic. No, I, I got that too. I got that too. If you want it? So um, the Raiders had more penalty yardage than uh, the number of pilgrims that were on the Mayflower. What? So oh my God. <laughs> what? There were 102 pilgrims Next. on the Mayflower. The Raiders had 166. <laughs> Yards of penalty. You guys asked for this. You guys all asked for this, by the way. This is all, it's all your fault. I don't blame him. I blame you guys. I blame the, I blame the rest of you. Oh, man. I was iffy about unveiling that one, but, you know, you guys pushed me to it. So, you know, it was a little Thanksgiving-themed research for you guys. No, we we actually just said we were impressed that you had – we were we, we only said we were impressed you nah, had real it's not, not his fault. It's your guys' fault. That's all on you. That's all you guys. I will say on the run game because I, you know – I think we last week kind of said they should abandon it and fans were pretty mad on Twitter when they were running a lot earlier and it wasn't working. But it really did start to break through later on in the game from uh, Jacobs. I think this is most I'm pretty sure it was the most carries that he had all year. You know, I, th- I think he took t- combined scrimmage yards. He went over 100 yards today um, and, and broke some long runs in, in there in the fourth quarter and overtime. Helped set up some of those play action passes that they ha- had as well. And so. It ended up paying off for him. I still think, you know, kind of down to down, the, the consistency isn't really there with the run game. But, you know, they have a, the capability to kind of pop off a few runs here and there. And so you kind of wonder if they see it, you know, replicating kind of these big moments like that. Maybe they can figure something out to where it becomes a little bit more consistent. But they definitely should be pass first um, and air it out. I mean, you know, having this kind of success through the air without Waller out there. Obviously, the Cowboys helped him a lot with it seemed like every deep shot they had. It was either a catch or a pass interference call. But guys were also winning one-on-one matchups, which we hadn't seen in recent weeks. So, you know, I think it's kind of a fine line between, you know, having that balance of still wanting to give the run game some shots, but but kind of leaning in, into that pass-first offensive approach. 
the O line was better. I think O line they weren't good, but they were decent. I think in, in games they've been decent, they've won. I think um, they had a lot, a lot of penalties. Obviously, that wasn't good, but um, I thought they definitely gave him some time at some plays, enough time to step up and make some throws. So I think the O line deserves a little credit also. Yeah, I think the thing with the run game is they cannot telegraph when they want to run the ball because when it's obvious that they want to run the ball, they get an eye formation or it's first down, they, they get to kind of a heavier set. It's so bad that they get negative yardage. You know, guys are getting through the line of scrimmage. But when it's a little less obvious, you know, it's like second second down or, you know, they spread the teams out a little bit. That's when they could get some get some get something going on the ground. I think it's important that they keep going with the early play actions because I felt like in the last few weeks, linebackers were just crashing the line every time Derek Carr turned his back to the defense. So they did that a little bit more today. I wouldn't run too many naked bootlegs towards a guy like Parsons, though. But I think they have to continue to keep on going with the early play action to soften up the second level a little bit. You guys mentioned, you know, the the early deep shot to uh, Deshaun Jackson, the big 56-yard touchdown. And if you hear Rich Bisaccia talk, you know, the, the intimation is that every week we kind of get him more integrated in the offense. And, and that's I get it. That's true and all that. But I also kind of look at Deshaun Jackson as a guy that, hey, he can run that that go route and that's all I did see, today you know I know for <laughs> yeah and I know for Cowboys fans they're gonna harp on the fact that they got called for all these penalties but like that's part of the reason you run those go routes you run those what you know you get one-on-one coverage you run that deep route is because you know you might get a reception you might get a big play you might get a penalty I mean in the way the NFL is calling those penalties I mean there's a good chance if you just run that deep route that you get that penalty and that's why I think you know, we're not going to harp on what happened last week and all that, but the fact that Deshaun Jackson played a whole game for them last week and didn't get targeted, eh, you can't have that happen. And they corrected that, and credit to them, uh, Derek Carr didn't make any references to checking that box, but that was a box that he checked this week, and it was important. It got the Raiders' offense going. Obviously, it opens up opportunities for the other guys, not just underneath, but also on those, you know, because, I mean, the Cowboys, they're one of those, the few teams, I guess, that, that kind of take that same single high approach and cover three. So that center field safety can only go one direction. I think that's when you see some some plays like, you know, Hunter Renfro hitting on the deep ball or Zay Jones getting some opportunities on, on deep balls. And, uh, you know, even without Waller out there, we were able to see um, the impact that Jackson had. And I think that's really um you know, what made it jump out so much to me because it wasn't like it was a combination of like Waller drawing guys. It was really just like Jackson stretching the field. You know, I, I guess he had to learn to play book to run go routes. Like, I don't really, I don't really understand what, what took so long. Well, first one, he, he came across in the first one, right? So those uh, Carr mentioned there was some kind of strategy. Yeah, yeah he, he ran he some, had, some more layered routes, of course. But, like, even just simply having him run straight changes the dynamic of the offense rather than, you know, the, how sparingly they were using him at first. So I think, you know, he has to become, you know, this level. Maybe he's not going to have 100 yards every week, I'm sure, but at least be in this level of involved in the offense moving forward. Plus you also have other deep threats like Hunter Renfro, so you're, you're going to mix them up with different deep guys. Wide receiver one, man. That 50-yard, I think it was 50-yard Hunter Renfro play was a good example of how the deep deep game actually opens up things for other people because the Cowboys aren't a cover two team, but they had to go to cover two because they were going to beat deep so much, and then Carr was able to pump fake the safety to the other side, and Renfro just got over the, the whole player in the middle of the field, and he was wide open, so... You throw deep, good things happen, and uh, the Raiders got back to it. I was going to say the other big thing with, with cars because the issue that had been, had been with him during the losing streak was turnovers. I think he had about six or seven turnovers during the losing streak, and he was clean today, no picks, no fumbles. Um, I, I know he did fumble once, but he didn't lose the fumble. Um, and so he was able to you know, marry that aggression with, with also still taking care of the football and not forcing things. 
you know, I thought Carr did a good job of, you know, keeping plays alive, you know, using his feet. You know, he had the 22-yard run, picked up a big first down. The play that, that had me laughing out loud the most during this game was, you know, the Marcus Mariota touchdown where Derek Carr lines up wide on the left side of the offense formation and, and Trayvon Diggs is the cornerback lined up in front of him. And Carr, like, comes up to the line and just keeps telling Diggs, like, come closer, come closer, come closer. Like, he's basically, like, you know, baggy digs to like play press coverage and like digs. I mean, not that it like affect, affected the play because, you know, Mariota scores on the touchdown going the other way, but digs like, yeah, he, he obliged. He like came up in, uh, he came up and came up close to the line of scrimmage as, as Carr was begging him to. I thought that was funny, but I mean, I thought Derek did a good job of using his legs more effectively. And, you know, Vic, you've talked a lot about how the Raiders want him to use those legs more that he is, he is more effective with his legs than, watching him most weeks implies and i thought he did a good job today i mean that third down that 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 first down that he was able to run for uh was a big example of those are the things that i think the the offensive staff would like to see him do more often yeah he's not super fast but he's definitely a good athlete he can you know play every sport and basketball baseball golf he's definitely a big time athlete who can uh, get moving i think when somebody asked Passaccia today about that run like if, if he was surprised by cars he said he said Derek can run i mean we all know that we've been telling him they all told him in the, in the, over the past years they want to run the ball more often take advantage of his legs and uh, make defense respect that part of his game more so he did it he's done better over the last uh, year and a half but maybe he lost a little track of it the last couple of weeks but this is good for his confidence it definitely shows him that he can turn the corner get a first down and kind of you think he flashed Mariota the hang loose sign after his big run I thought that was pretty funny but uh it's all about having fun and he has some fun today and that's both throwing the ball deep making some players your legs and good things happen. Did you guys notice how every time Carr ran, though, as he was going out of bounds, he would stick the ball out? And then I was thinking, and I was thinking in my head, did you not learn from that Dallas game the last time you guys played him? Stop sticking the ball out. He wants an extra yard. You get an extra yard, man. What's an extra yard? He always tries to get that extra yard, but he always sticks it out too late. And he he's I don't think he's ever once in his life been given the extra yard. Because he always like he waits till he gets out of bounds and then he sticks it out, so it never ends up working. And, and today he didn't really need it on, on that run, but yeah, it's, it's, he always he always tries to get that extra yard. But I know Jerry Jones popped off after the game about the officiating, and it was not a, a fun game to watch in terms of you know Sean Hockley trying to dominate this game. A lot of the penalties were they, they were what they were. I mean, a lot of you know it, it was it was a short week. You know when when teams play on a short week, I think a lot of times. You know, the they are not quite as refined and, and that can lead to a lot of penalties. And, you know, I, you know, there were some questionable ones. Obviously, the the roughing the passer where Derek Carr basically falls into a couple of Dallas defenders. That was that was a bad call. There were some bad calls, obviously. But for one day and on a holiday where Raider fans are watching the game with their with their family and friends, Raiders fans do not have to sit there and complain about the NFL screwing them. Um, so I, th- I thought that was that was nice for Raider fans that they got to enjoy a holiday where they didn't have to feel like they were getting screwed. Yeah, the officials were absurd, but at least they were evenly absurd. Yeah, that's Fourteen what penalties like, to each side, so is- they lost their minds. But at least they lost their minds in both directions. I mean, it was it was painful at times, but they were just throwing flags left and right. And I guess they must like each other. They keep talking to each other about their flags. Hey, man, good call, man. Nice yeah, flag man, toss, buddy. Talk. I mean. It was just ridiculous, but uh, I'm sure everybody wanted to watch at home when they're doing it for Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, I feel like most of the penalties were, were justified, honestly. Like, I, I didn't really notice that many that were, like, just not penalties. Like, I think both of these teams, like, in I mean, the... the roughing the pass... The roughing the pass was Yeah, that's was cool, horrible. but, like, when you I'll commit 20, 28 penalties, it's like, you're not... It's not all the refs just bugging out. And plus, these teams are, like, in the top three in penalties committed per game. Like, these teams, like, commit some of the most penalties in the league amongst anybody. So, it's like, it's not that unthinkable that the Cowboys or the Raiders committed, they'll say, 10 penalties. And, like, that's a terrible day in terms of, like, discipline. So, like, both of them were pretty bad in that area. I mean, like, I didn't want to see all the stoppages, but I, I feel like they were mostly, like, justified, to be honest. The false start on the center was pretty bad, uh, right before the two-minute warning before the game, because it's just like a head movement that center does on every play, and they called it. So that was a pretty egregious one. But other than that, a thing that I think we have to talk about is the game management for the Raiders have, has been pretty terrible, and it was pretty terrible in this game, too. <laughs> We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Tony Romo was calling it out all day. They should have. They should have just let Tony Romo uh, kind of take control of the uh, some of the game management stuff. I mean, that's Masashi, who's who's not a guy that, you know. I mean, he's he's a guy that kind of was thrust into this position, and I, you know, I, he struck. You know, those first two games where he won, there weren't really any any game management opportunities. Like they, you know, it was all pretty straightforward, and um, you know, they win this game despite it. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of questionable game management stuff that's kind of been a theme of thanksgiving i mean the freaking lions got called for two timeouts in a row in uh in the early game and that helped keep them winless so i don't know it was 
people had other things on their mind, maybe. Yeah, the Raiders is kind of conservative, I think, when they... I mean, that's that's something that I felt like, even under Gruden, that was a tendency. Like, once they get a lead, they get a little bit ahead, they just kind of start playing not to lose, get a little safe. And then, like, when it's a, a down-and-distance type decision, like, at the end of the game, you know, when they made the field goal, but but the uh, Cowboys had, had the penalty, and they could have, like, accepted it and moved up to, like, I think, like, fourth and two, maybe, or fourth and one. Like that's a situation like maybe you accept that, go for it and just try to like ice the game and get a touchdown and put it out of reach because obviously they went down and tied it up and, and forced overtime. Um, so situations like that, they always just kind of lean towards like being as safe as possible. And like eventually you're going to have to take some kind of risk in that situation. I mean, like it's been working, you know, it worked out today. And so you don't want to contribute too much, but you do kind of feel like in those high leverage moments, eventually you're going to have to like, you know, kind of play with some balls and go for it. Yeah, the, the one I thought about was right before the right before halftime, the Cowboys got to the one yard line. They had forty seconds of the clock, and I think they could have chosen to whether run, run off ten seconds or take a timeout, but they decided to run off ten seconds, and then and then you know I think ten seconds went off, and then they eventually got the ball back, and they still had two timeouts, and then Josh Jacobs gets a ten yard run. So usually when you get like a little bit of a drive starter like that, you know, you want to get a little more aggressive and at least take a take a shot at maybe a field goal. But they decided to run out the clock anyways. And then the other one was right before the fourth quarter started, they somehow missed how much time was on the clock compared to how much time was on the game clock. So they thought they could run out to the fourth quarter, but they actually had two seconds left and they had to burn a timeout at that moment. And, you know, that timeout was valuable because, you know, they might have, if they decided that they were going to try to go for a field goal at the uh, before regulation ended, they could have used that timeout. So it's just like these little things that, you know, it didn't bite them in, in the ass in this game, but it, it could in other games. And this is one of the things that I was really concerned about with uh, when Basaccia took over. It was just being too conservative and these game management type of situations, which is why I think he really needs to have an analytics guy, guy or a coach that is in his ear that, you know, tells him what is the best decision to make in these moments. And, you know, there, there, there are formulas that come up with, you know, uh, the best decision in, in these moments that are just automatic. You know, not that he would listen to them, but I'm just saying, I think it wouldn't be that difficult to get a guy that was in charge of this stuff in his ear. When they have the staff, they have analyst guys. This doesn't mean that if you tell Rich what to do, he's not going to do it. I just think, like you said, he's pretty conservative. I think uh, they are going to try and protect the lead and not blow the lead. Well, I think just so. Uh, you're right. It's definitely a learning curve for him. He's you know six weeks ago he was worried about wedges on kick return coverages and stuff, and when, so I think it's a big jump for him. So. You hope he gets the hang of it. Yeah, but hey, man, fuck all that. They got to, you know, they won on Thanksgiving. They they upset the Cowboys. They're back in the playoff picture. Like it's, he came back to his former yeah. team, his former team, and now we're like, hey, man, yeah, yeah, man so we we'll, we'll give him a pass and all that. You know? I, I mean, I I do want to say the the one the one that bothered me was when they were up seventeen six and the Cowboys missed that long field goal, and they, they take over at the 49-yard line. Vic was was ready. If they scored a touchdown, the game was I, I, I called, done. I was calling the game. The, the it was game over. was done. They score here, it's over, I said. I mean, I get it. You know, they, three and outs happen. You know, they, we, we've seen they this offense. They got sacked. The first play, got, first play they, got they got sacked, sacked right? Was, yeah, what, 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 I, what I didn't like, though, is the, the third down play. So it was uh, third and 18, and they – Throw the the short pass to Hunter Renfro. He picks up thirteen to force a fourth and five. Like to me, that that's the kind of play you run if you're gonna throw that underneath pass. You're setting that up for like, okay, let's give us a fourth and manageable and let's go for it. 
because I mean, if you're not going to go for it on, on a fourth and manageable like that, a fourth and five from the 40 or whatever it was, uh, 44 uh, or whatever. I mean, to me, like, okay, throw it deep, throw it past the sticks, try to get something. If you're going to punt otherwise, uh, that was the one I didn't like because I thought if you set up the fourth and five, and this is an opportunity for, as Vic would tell you, to put the game away, win the game here in the, the second quarter. If you score a touchdown, you can go up 24-6, really kind of take the game. Um, I didn't like that one, but again, they won. They are 6-5, and five, and they get the mini-buy. And, and another topic of this game I think we should talk about is they allow 33 points, but I think otherwise. That might kind of mask how well I think the defense did play. I mean, the defense did come up with some big stops when they needed it. Obviously, no aspect of this game was perfect. No side of this game was perfect. Nobody played you know, a perfect game, but um, the defense was able to come up with some big stops. Unique Ngakwe make some big plays. Um, just the fact that they were able to, they lose the toss in overtime, and they're able to get that stop. There was some big opportunities that uh, they were able to take advantage of. They played better in, in the first half than, than the second half, obviously. Uh, they start to let some scoring drives come together, especially in, in the fourth quarter, but I think the, the defense and the special teams kind of play well off of each other. AJ Cole, I think he had five punts within the, the Cowboys 20 yard line today. And and so the Cowboys were backed up against their own end zone often, which obviously makes things easier on the defense. And even if they did give up yardage, they, they were pretty good at making timely stops and getting off the field, which has been a, a huge issue the last two weeks. Their third down defense had been pretty terrible, both against the Chiefs and the Bengals. And so even though they give up those yeah. those 33 points, for one, one of those was off of, or seven of those were off of the uh, the kickoff return, which has nothing to do with the defense. Uh, so yeah, I think I thought it was a solid game. It wasn't like a great performance or anything, but uh, they they made enough stops in, in concert with what the offense was doing to get the win. Obviously, yeah, I think in that second half, I think Perriman, he's not great in pass coverage. That's going to hurt them at times. He did the touchdown to the tight end. I think Hayward got beat twice deep, which never happens this year. So something's happened. I think you know the pass rush is still very very good, and why I think their defense has been such a huge factor this year. But I think when they have a lead, second halves, they're going to have some problems in terms of the coverage in the middle of the field because I said Perriman's not great at it. Littleton's not where he's supposed to be at that, so I think there's still kind of a hole for them. Besides, in the run defense today, actually did a pretty, pretty good job. I guess Elliott's a little banged up, but that was where I was concerned about them getting hurt. They didn't really get hurt there. So I think overall, run defense in the middle of the field comes the pass defense are still kind of holes and they need to shore up if, if they can. Yeah, Jonathan Hankins was all over the field tonight, especially in run defense, chasing guys down. He, he was he was phenomenal, I thought, inside. Very audible scream, um, you know, got got the Raider fans riled up. But I, I think this was the first game where the pass rush wasn't dominant. I mean, it was still there, but it wasn't like game-wrecking pressure on, on, on every snap. And Fasan got kind of exposed. I, I think they were targeting him a lot. Prescott made a couple throws where it, you just can't defend it. You know, there were a couple fade throws to, I think, Gallup and maybe one to Wilson where you just you just couldn't defend it. But other than that, you know, I, I thought, yeah, the, the run defense played a lot better than I thought they would. I thought the game plan for the Cowboys coming into this game was I thought they were going to try to run the ball down the Raiders' throat, especially with C.D. Lamb out and, and Amari Cooper. So... The run defense really stepped up today, and I, I, th- I thought that was a big key. Yeah, I think part of the reason why they weren't able to go with that run-first approach is because they got down early, and that you know the offense getting off to that hot start that they just really haven't done this season. Like, I feel like this team was always playing from behind, even in the games that they win. It's like they have to make some kind of comeback, where, whether it's a double-digit one or a small one. But this game, they, they played ahead literally the entire game until uh, things got tied up in the fourth quarter. Because, I mean, last week the defense played pretty well, but, it's, you know, the Bengals, since they were ahead, they were able to just run it down their throats and they couldn't get off the field and the offense wasn't doing anything. But this game, you kind of see 
the team just collectively, you know, all three phases playing well. And obviously, you know, of course, that's going to lead to good things happening more times than not. But this is just something that we haven't seen from them that often this season. As far as the D-line, they, did, they, lo- they lost Carl Nassib uh, with the second quarter, so that was like the, the number three pass rusher. So maybe we'll get a chance to see Malcolm Kuntz after all next week, but I'm not sure how bad Carl's hurt. But that also may have been a factor as far as why they weren't getting as much pressure late as they normally do because the rotation was cut uh, cut short. You know, I know we still have a full slate of uh, Sunday games and a Monday night game, but uh, I-, I would be very surprised if Daniel Carlson is not the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, so we got to give him some attention. 5-of-5 five five on field goals, a 56-yarder that ties the game late, uh, kicks the game winner in overtime uh, that he had to attempt, what, three times? Uh, you know, there was the false start penalty, and then there was... Uh, I mean, the Cowboys have been kind of smart, I guess. You know, you're... you're you might as well just try to see if you can time the jump and, and go ahead and get the block. It's it's pretty much a chip shot anyway. But that's not why, to me, he is the likely AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. It is because on Monday, he was dealing with food poisoning. And he made a commitment that he was going to play today, even if he had to wear adult diapers and have a garbage can on the sideline. And, you know, the Raiders' motto is commitment to excellence. Committing to playing, even if you have to wear adult diapers and you have to take a shit in a diaper during a game, that is quality that that is worth winning AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So uh, applauds to uh, to Daniel Carlson for for that. Thanks for explaining what happens with adult diapers. You weren't really sure. Be like, he takes a shit in the oh, okay, okay. Thanks, Jimmy. I wasn't really sure how that works, but now thanks for pointing it out. But um, yeah, he's a t- all these guys, football players are tough guys. AJ Cole and and Carlson both are tough for the position, so I think it shows. Shouldn't have worn anyways. They could have got a, a sponsorship for some adult diapers. Like, uh, you know, kickers don't get sponsorships that often. So, yeah, this was an opportunity he missed. I thought you can depend on Daniel Carlson. Depends diapers. There we go. On that note, uh, <laughs> let's close it out with this. What does this win do for the Raiders? We, we've it mentioned that they're six. <laughs> they're six and five. Their next game, which obviously we'll get into when we have our next show next week, Washington football team comes to town. Jack Del Rio facing the Raiders. What does this win do for them? Are, I mean, are we ready to say that they're back? I mean, I know we were, that's what we were saying at the top of the show, but obviously, you know, it's going to depend a lot on can they carry some momentum into this? Can they go and beat Washington and get to seven and five? And, you know, then they've got the rematch with the Chiefs in Kansas City, and then they've got a primetime game with the Browns on a Saturday night. The schedule um, after Washington is not easy. I mean, like you said, it's, it's Chiefs, it's Browns, Broncos, Colts, and Chargers. It's, uh, you know, really after Washington, you're talking about every team that they're playing the rest of the way is is also in this playoff hunt. So where, what does this win do for them? I mean, it, it certainly takes them into December in the hunt, but uh, it, it, can they can they seize the momentum? Can they get on a roll from this? I'm pretty done, like, making, like, overarching statements about the Raiders off of the, the one-game performances. Like, you know, we, uh... Come on, we, man. Like, cause every, every week, podcast, we're like, because every week, we're like, we're, we're like they're, they're, they're fucked. And it's like, oh, wait, they're not fucked. So it's like, I mean, in the AFC, especially this year, with everything being all cluttered together, it's like, they're good, for, but they're still, they're still in, like, the 10th seed in the AFC. Like, it's too tight to be, like, off of one win. Like, uh, I think they're making the playoffs again. So, like, I don't know. We have to wait and see, like, how consistent. Because that's the thing with this team. It's so inconsistent. They had these wild swings up and down. So it's like until we see them string together something, like, for multiple weeks at a time, 
I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know. I have like my Raiders picks this year are terrible. I clearly cannot predict what this team is doing. But like, of course, they're in good position, like, uh, you know, relative to where they would be if they this slump had continued. Um, it keeps them in the fight. I, I think they're like right outside of, of the seventh spot. Obviously, the games this week have to be played so they can move up or down depending on who, who wins on Sunday. But, you know, they're in a fine spot. They're, you know, it, it doesn't you don't get two wins or three wins because you because you get an upset. So like, we'll, we'll see from here. But it, it was it was a good win on Thanksgiving. To me, it definitely gives them a shot. And I have a formula for you guys. I think all they got to do is they have three home games left. They got Washington, they got the uh, the Broncos, and they got the Chargers. So you got to win all three of those games. You got to take care of business at home. Uh, two of those shouldn't be that tough, I don't think. But you never know. Like the Raiders, like you said, could beat anybody. It could lose anybody. That's been well established. But in my mind, this win gives you a real chance. If you look at the win of three home games. And then you might be winning nine wins, but you probably need ten. But nine might be good enough. So you, but let's just say you get those three at home, win one of the other three games, and you're in the, you're in the playoffs. So there's clearly a path now to getting in based on after today's win. Well, if they lost, I think they'd be pretty much dead. So they're at least still alive, and they still have a legitimate shot. I mean, I, I their destiny is still in their hands at the very least. So yeah, if they lost this game, it. You know, I, I think we would be looking at draft prospects next week or something. But you know, we're they're still in this. So Raider fans, you know, just when just when they're ready to, to give up, they they get roped back in, and uh, hopefully for for you guys, this doesn't just mean that uh, the heartbreak is delayed. But uh, yeah, it was a fun game. It was a fun win for Raider fans that were watching this one on Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sure they they got to enjoy it. They got to enjoy their uh, their meal during it or after it, before it, however they did it, and. Uh, that, that's that's good for them. Uh, it's it's been enough. It's been a rough enough of a month that uh, they deserve this one. I hope uh, Damian Lillard watched. He was saying on Twitter he wasn't going to watch. He did. Week, he, he was. He's back. He's back. He he's said back? he's just. Oh, good. No. He's back. Yeah. He tweeted right. uh, that it, he uh, he got roped back in. So he's uh, he's back. Right, um, I gotta find that tweet and tell him thumbs up. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back in about a week to get you ready for the Raiders taking on Jack Del Rio and. The Washington football You're team. You're really excited about the Del Rio <laughs> matchup, huh? Yeah, right. I, I, like, I, I, you know, is he playing? I'm disappointed that it's not Del Rio versus Gruden. Uh, you know, Del Rio's defense versus Gruden's offense. I mean, Del Rio's defense. It's funny. Like for all the talent that Washington t- defense has, they have uh, been been disappointing this year, which I don't think surprises us. Well, the weird thing is they've actually been better after losing Chase Young, which makes no sense. The whole league makes no sense this year, but they've actually been better the last couple of weeks. So I'm sure he'll be fired up. He and Derek go back. But uh, if the Raiders take care of business, the Raiders throw the ball like they did today, be aggressive, they'll win the game. Have a happy Thanksgiving the rest of your Thanksgiving. Obviously, you'll be listening to this on Friday morning. So we hope everybody did have a happy Thanksgiving. And we will talk to you again next week to get you ready for the Raiders taking on the Washington football team. Later. Adios. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.